She's not Minister Leslie. She is Minister Cheryl, and, and God will use her in her own way. So, Lord, let him use you in your way, my friend. God bless you. Amen, amen. <laughs> I do count it a privilege and an honor to be here today. Uh, giving honor to God, first of all, who's the head of my life. And uh, who has truly rescued me <laughs> out from a horrible pit. But uh, I heard a song some time ago that says, uh, if God hadn't been... If God had not been there for us, or for me, I'm going to make it personal. <laughs> if he hadn't been there for me, where would I be? And the answer to that question is, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know because it would not have been good. It wouldn't have been pretty. I was already in a bad shape, but... The Lord came and found me. I wasn't, I wasn't looking and pursuing after God. Although I was raised in the church, and you guys are gonna probably think that's strange, you're raised in the church and how did I end up so far away from everything? It's because the devil is real. <laughs> Just like God is real. And, and our nature, our fallen condition, we can find ourselves drifting in the places and in areas that we never would imagine, yes. you know, because of the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes and the pride of life, you know, we're out searching. And that's the state of the whole world today, is that we're out searching for something looking for something that is secure and something that will give us peace. We're looking for, as that song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, and that's how we find ourselves wandering in the darkness. But I want to say that to this ministry and to being under this leadership of Pastor John and Minister Leslie, it has really been an eye-opener for me. And I know it wasn't by accident, Pastor, that we crossed paths like we did. You know, that was all God's leading, you know. And um, I've only been here a little over a year. Actually, I've, I've known Pastor John for longer than that. But um, in knowing him and, and, and encountering them uh, together, God has really enlightened me Amen. in areas that I didn't think possible. And I appreciate this brother for God giving him the word like he's given it to him. Yes. And uh, it's, really, it's really been an eye-opener. You know, and I have, I've been with the Lord for a while, but, and reading his word and studying his word, but Pastor John has expounded on it in such a way that has really given clear clarity and, and more direction. Yes. And I appreciate him. And uh, in their ministry, I, uh, I feel like <laughs> the scripture that God gave him to be able to start this ministry was on point. Yes. 
because we have to love is love is the principal thing and it's vitally important and as we can read here a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another that's the principal thing that's what the church was founded upon was love because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes. What kind of love is that? <laughs> it's love beyond our understanding, beyond our imagination. Because right. when I think about where I was at, I was unlovable. Ooh, glory. I was very unlovable. I was in a horrible pit. But that love that goes beyond what we can comprehend found me in a dark place and he brought me out and gave me hope for a brighter tomorrow amen and today God has laid a word I, I have a word I had so much words like the Lord was just giving me so much but I'm going to try to condense it in a way that uh, can give some clarity and understanding and, and encouragement. Yeah. And as I stated earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, Pastor John has given us some powerful word. And what captured me was when he stated that God has a plan for us Amen. and it's God's way yes. <laughs> it's not my way it's not Cheryl's way it's not the pastor's way it's not any of the pastors that we know on the face of the earth tell the evangelists and everybody else it ain't their way it's God's way and that's the thing that we lack hearing in our churches today we don't always hear it the way that Pastor John presents it. And I'm grateful that he has broken it down in such a way that, <clears throat> that we um, can understand clearly. But my topic, if I was going to use a topic today, based on what God has given me, it would be, does it really take all that? Does it really take all that? What does that mean? Why are we asking ourselves that question when it comes to God and serving God, loving God, knowing God? Does it really take all that? It's the million dollar question. And if it takes all that, then why? The Lord let me see that the reason why that question is so prevalent in the psyches of human beings is because it went all the way back to the fall in the garden. Our inherent nature makes us feel that it shouldn't take all that. 
we've fallen from a, a place of paradise. Well, we didn't fall. I didn't fall. I haven't tasted it yet. But Adam being in the garden, who was the representative of mankind, he made a major mistake and it made us lose out on that fellowship and relationship that we had with the Father. And so it, it derives, that question comes from that fall, from us being separated from God and us choosing to seek God on our own terms, our way, not God's way, not according to God's plan. We've, we've left it to ourselves or we relied on ourselves to try to find our way back to God, the Father. And we have been messed up as a result. There's a scripture in Isaiah 53. Go there right quick. And it says in verse 6, this is one of the reasons why we've gone astray. Everyone is there? And it states, verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see how we've turned to our own way? And then when you go over to Romans 1 and 21, We go to verse uh, 21, if you're there. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of God, of the incorruptible God into the image made like into corruptible man, birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts and dishonoring their bodies between themselves. And he changed the truth of God for a lie. That's why we're asking the questions, does it take all that? How did this mind come about? Because of the fall. Yes. Because we were separated. We, we got separated from the Father through disobedience. Amen. Yes. But the Lord has allowed me to see that even in that, all was not lost. He didn't just toss us away and give up on us because of that. He just didn't leave us out there dangling 
without no hope. He just didn't walk away and say, okay, I'm done. You know, you're so filthy and disgusting. You know, I don't want no parts of you. No, that love that we're talking about right here. Yes. Read these scriptures. That love that goes beyond our comprehension and our understanding made a way for us to be rescued. Yes. Not by our will, but by his will. Yes. And for his good pleasure, he did what he did. Not because he was relying on us to make the way, but he made the way for us. And the Lord also spoke to me in regards to, from us asking that question, or why does it, does it really take all that? Because he knew that's what we would be asking. Does it really take all that? Well, he knew it would. It would take all that and then some. He put a plan in place for us from the foundation of the world. And that was going to come through his son, yes. Jesus Christ. And for as far as we can remember, God has always had a remnant of people. Does anybody know what remnant, what remnant means? Has anybody ever considered when you were called a remnant? What that might Yeah. They were chosen for a certain task. Mm-hmm. They were set aside. Set aside, right. They're right. Remnant. Remnant is a people. People that have which God has chosen. He's always used a small group of people, if you notice. If you, if you follow the scripture, follow the word from the time of the fall, he's always had one or two people that would take the time to listen and be faithful when they heard his voice. Amen. He couldn't talk to everybody because everybody wasn't going to hear. But the scriptures say, he that have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And remnant is like a faithful few that will continually follow and obey the will of the Father, trusting in his faithful word that's going to lead to salvation. Amen? So we are remnants. Remnants can also mean, uh, according to the dictionary, it's like it's leftovers. <laughs> the remains of something. You know, you lay carpet and you cut out the carpet. When the carpenter comes into your house, he has scraps laid around. People think there's no significance to the scraps. But you can take those scraps and do other things with it. You know. So... And it also identifies with, I uh, heard the word, it's like the Lord gave me the word scrub. You ever hear that slang scrub? What's a scrub? 
A scrub is, can be like a leftover, like someone who is considered insignificant. Insignificant to who? To whoever is maybe dealing with that individual or speaking with them or whatever. They think you have no value. You have no value. You're a scrub. There was a song that came out by TLC some years ago about no scrubs. Talking about a no good rascal. I don't want no part of him. And he's sitting on the, he's sitting on the passenger's truck side trying to scream out to somebody like he got something of value to present to a young lady. He don't have nothing going on. But he on the passenger side. He ain't even driving the car. He riding with somebody. But he's spitting out all this, all this yang. <laughs> Talking out of four sides of his neck. But you're supposed to be enticed and intrigued with that. That's a scrub. But when God looks at us, and we were scrubs, he doesn't, I find it interesting and fascinating that when God looked at us, even in our, in our wretched condition, yes. and we were like a type of a scrub in a way to him. God did not discard us and throw us away and pay us no attention or ignored us or took no notice or account of who we are or even refused to acknowledge us. He didn't do any of those things. But he showed us by his love this love that passes all understanding, that we, he values us. We are important to him. Yes. Even in our conditions, in our wretched conditions and state, we are still important to the Lord. Yes. So much so that he set a plan in mind that we can be restored back to him. Amen. Because I wouldn't be standing up here today had he not did what he did. My God. The Lord, let me see, I would have been in an early, early grave. I wouldn't have seen my nieces and nephews. I wouldn't have met the people along the way that crossed my path that God allowed me to meet. Friends that I became acquaintances with, because I would have been cut off. Yes. That was the devil's plan. <laughs> that was his plan, not God's plan. Because I looked death in the face twice. I seen my whole life flash before me. I said, I'm not going to see my mom and daddy anymore. And it may take them a month before they find my body. Glory. Because I could have got cut up in little pieces and tossed off in the river somewhere. 
I was hanging with some scudduggly, as they say. Ruthless people, ruthless. That would cut their own mother's throat. Jesus, today, thank you, Jesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, faithful, he told death, stay your hand. Not so. Don't touch that one. Jesus. Don't touch her. Because I was on my road of Damascus. I was traveling Damascus Road with my nonsense and madness and making choices and decisions that was leading me to eternal death. But God said, stay your hand. And sent angels that I didn't even know anything about to come and protect me and deliver me. And if I told my mother that some of the things that I had was involved in, she would probably give up the ghost. And just kill over right where she was at. Because she let me know, Sherry, you wasn't raised like that. <laughs> you know you wasn't raised like that. How could you? I was out of my mind. I was out of my mind. Not that I was crazy, but in a way I guess I was crazy. But God is good. But with that topic that I said, does it take all that? Over this past year and a half of me being under this ministry and hearing such a great and powerful word, I'm just thankful to God that I can stand here as a servant of the Most High God and give my testimony, like I've already kind of done somewhat anyway. But my experience here uh, with True Love Christian Ministry is life-changing. It really is life-changing. And I believe that this body in this portion of the vineyard is truly governed by the Spirit of God. I believe that with all my heart. You know, because of the word that is going forth and the word that is being preached, it has penetrated me in such a way. Because it's like when I was back in the day when I got saved, you know, the Lord isolated me from organized religion. <laughs> it's nothing that I did. It's what he done. I went to church every Sunday. I participated and, and did all that I thought I should and could do while I was in the church. But the Lord put a fence around me that I wouldn't become entangled in the philosophy of man. That I wouldn't be caught up in tradition 
which when I spoke earlier about remnants and, and being scrubs, you know, the reason why this body has come together because God has called each one of us out under different circumstances yes. from the churches that we may have been in, yes. from the systems that we may have been indoctrinated into. Yes. And we are those scraps that they look upon as being insignificant because you didn't stick and stay in the order of flesh. Ooh, glory. But the Lord said, if you hear my voice and follow me, I'm going to lead you into paths of righteousness. Hallelujah. There were some scriptures that the Lord had given me. Excuse me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's in Proverbs. Proverbs 1 and 7. And 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's what's being lacked today, I believe, in our churches, is that people are not really walking under the unction of, of the fear of God and hearing that true word. Excuse me. They are seeking their own way. Like Isaiah said, we've all gone astray, and everyone has turned to his own way. We're in our own way in some of these churches, because we want God on our terms, not according to his plan, his way. His plan, his way, not our plan, our way. And when we fear God and have an understanding, then he can lead us into paths of righteousness. The scripture lets us know in Matthew 7 and 13, enter in at the straight gate. Why? Because narrow is the way that leads to life. And few here we go back to the few from the remnant. Few be that find it at the straight gate. In Isaiah 35 and 8, let's go there right quick. Book of Isaiah. Uh, we can start at 
start at verse 8. I did say verse 8, didn't I? And the scripture speaks as such. And a highway shall be there. And a way. Not ways, plural. But way, singular. And a highway, not speaking as many, but one highway. One highway and one way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. So there's a declaration right there that in the plan of salvation and what God has done, he's established a way. A way of holiness that is going to lead us to salvation. Amen? And if we don't seek this way to know what God's plan and purpose is, God's way, then the scripture also lets us know that in Hebrews 2 and 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape? Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life and no man can come to the father but by me so that all equates to one way pastor has just been speaking to us these past few weeks and lessons in regards to the early uh, old covenant and, and the church how it was set up back in the day before Jesus came but we've been talking about tabernacles here lately and, uh, and Passover and uh, these different feasts that God established for the children of Israel. And they have some significance because all these things are types, were types and shadows pointing us to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ letting us know that he was that way according to Isaiah 35 and 8. And there's a way. There will be a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 14 and 12. Yeah, Proverbs 14 and 12. Let's turn there. And if you got if you got there, it's verse twelve. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Do you hear that? Ways. Plural. Yeah. 
which means that means many people are traveling many ways. When I was on my way out here to California, back from the Midwest, I came from Ohio. And so I had to go to AAA to get a map that would show me how to get to California. That map didn't indicate going anywhere else but California for me to get here. Had it directed me to go to Louisiana or Texas, that wasn't going to get me to California. Although some people can say, well, I went by way of, but to get a direct, to go directly from point A to point B, then you need to follow the map, even if you have to go through several states, but you don't want to go out of your way. You ain't trying to go out of your way to get to a location when you're trying to make, make your way to that destination. You want to take the quickest, fastest, efficient route that's going to get you there. Had that map led me somewhere else, I, was, I probably would still be in California. I'd be somewhere on the other side of the country trying to figure out how to get to California. Well, God's word and his instructions and what he's given us is a blueprint for us to find ourselves on that way, that way of holiness, that way of righteousness, that we can find peace. Amen. And there were, there were a few things that Pastor spoke over, over, these, over this past year, and I can't go over them, but over all of them, because it was so much. So much. Um, that he gave us. And that he's ministered, that God is, let me say God has given him to minister to us. <laughs> Amen. God gave him this word that he can minister to us. And I'm just going to share just a few things that really kind of just stood out to me and jumped out at me. The first one was how pastor spoke of the value of us coming together in being one, yeah. that oneness. Why? Because that's what God wants. Yeah. <laughs> he said, God wants this. This ain't Pastor John saying this. This is what God wants. Because as we come together, and we bring our hearts and minds together in agreement with one accord, then our worship experience becomes powerful and how it affects those that are coming through those doors. And then number two, he told, taught us about the intentional, being intentional, and even in the women's, in our women's meeting, we spoke about how it's, we have to be intentional in prayer as intercessors, praying for one another, which puts us in a place 
that God can use us. Amen. And number three, he spoke about fear and not having fear and that God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but the power and of love and of a sound mind. And we can overcome this fear when we are found in God's presence. Amen? Yes. That's where we want to be in the presence of God because that's the only way that we can get ushered in. We can't just put ourselves there, but he has to usher us in. Number four, in times of trouble, the Lord is our strength, our pavilion, a secret place of protection. Wow. <laughs> a secret place of protection. And where does that place lie? It's in Jesus. Jesus is our peace in the midst of the storm. And if we trust him like he's asking us to trust him, then we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to be concerned about the cares of life and situations that come up unexpectedly. You know, he is our peace. Just like pastors brought out when the disciples was on the river, on the, on the water, and, and the winds and was tossing and waves were tossing. Jesus was sleeping while they was up. They was nervous as a wreck. They didn't know what they were going to do. Nervous. Like, Lord, are you serious? You're going to sleep? And you see all this going around around? Well, obviously, they didn't realize whose presence they were in. Had they known, they would have went somewhere and got a pillow and laid down next to Jesus. They'd have got some covers and some blankets and something, and they just, they'd have just laid on down and just slept right next to him and just, they'd have been happy as a lark because they'd have said, well, we ain't got to worry. What we worrying about? We in the presence of the master who is the prince of peace. Hallelujah. Amen. So I love that. I love that word when that one went forth. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Jesus is our peace. Let us not forget that, beloved. And, um, and that was part of number five, that, you know, Jesus is our peace. Okay. Number six was about being equipped to wear the whole armor of God, because we need that as we walk this walk, which is our protection as well. But guess what? That armor that God has given us, has it, it's only a front armor. He didn't give us armor for our backs. The armor is only covering the front from the head to the toe. And why is that? Because your attacks are being launched in front of you, not behind you. So as you walk as a soldier, you got to be equipped for what's in front of you. So we need to wear the whole armor of God that provides a defense from attacks of the enemy. 
Amen. Number seven is being doers of the word. We spoke about this for a while in our Sunday schools and even in our Bible studies. And just, you know, because Pastor John can get on the subject and we might be on it for a year. He don't play. <laughs> he don't play. And, and I'm not saying it's him, but God is, has us in a place that you just can't hear this thing one time. You got to hear it maybe a hundred times for it to really sink into your spirit and into your mind. So we want to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Because when we hear the word and we do the word, it's going to establish obedience and trust in the Lord. And prayer is key. So does it take all that? Yes, it does. And that's the answer to why it takes all that. Because we have to be doers and not hearers only. Our speech needs to be, number eight, our speech needs to be with grace, seasoned with salt, knowing that our words can be impactful of how it affects people and what you're trying to establish in, our pe in the people's hearing. Amen? Yes. Praise you, Jesus. Number nine, God always keeps his promises because he is faithful. Why is he faithful? Because he's faithful to himself to keep the promise. Amen? His faithfulness is not predicated upon our feelings and what we think. It's because of who he is. That's why when we praise God, we have to praise him for who he is, not for what he's done. When we praise him for who he is, we're acknowledging his greatness. Amen. And then number 10 was the Passover that he spoke about as being that crown of God's feast. That being a part of Jesus, you know, representing Jesus as that Passover. And then servants, being servants of the Lord, giving us the equipment to be teachers of others and to be a soldier that's enduring hardness and to be an athlete that competes to obey what the ruler is telling him to do. To be in a farmer who is laboring over his, his, uh, his crops because he's waiting for a harvest. And the worker that is approved of God to do a task, you know, and understanding what the will of God is and what his word is saying. Amen. And never, never forgetting the works that God has done in our lives. That was very precious to me because it helps us to stay focused when we can remember what God has done in our lives and how he has brought us out and how he has delivered us and, and, and given us 
things that we probably wasn't even worthy of. And as I can come to a conclusion, I know a lot of us have eaten uh, cake. You guys know about pound cakes, don't you? I know you know about a pound cake. <laughs> well, pound cakes are good. I love pound cake. You know. And a pound cake, I found out later on down the line, because my dad makes a mean pound cake. He did make a mean pound cake. But it takes a pound of everything for the cake to be what it should be. <laughs> now, the ingredients, apart from it's apart from itself not being mixed together. Nobody's going to sit at the table and eat six cups of flour. Or a pound of butter. And just say, mm, this is good. No. <laughs> You're not going to do that. You're not going to sit there and eat all, that, all those ingredients individually. But when they are mixed in the bowl together, Ooh, glory. <laughs> when they are mixed together, everything, every ingredient, all the flour, the sugar, the butter, the flavoring, and you put it in the pan and stick it in the oven, mm-mm, good. It tastes good then. So these things that I'm speaking of that might, might not feel good, it might not seem like it's, it's being effective and edifying. When we mix all these things together, yes. then you see how we are being uh, equipped to be that, what's that? Uh, it's a New Testament saint, but it's out of Ephesians, where Ephesians 4, where the fivefold ministries how they all come together, and what do they do? Let's go there real quick. Ephesians 4. Four and... Is it four and 11? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Ooh. That's what all these ingredients, what I just got done reading. These are all ingredients that's got to be mixed together in our walk so that we can come to be the statue of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men, flesh, and cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, 
who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part maketh increase for the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Praise you, Jesus. So this is what the end result is of all this. And yes, it takes all that. It really does. So hopefully your minds can be at rest and at peace when that question comes to mind. Does it really take all that? Yes, indeed, it does. It takes all that and then some. Because if the righteous shall scarcely make it in, where shall the sinner and ungodly be? Where they gonna end up? So we're on a straight, straight road, straight narrow path, and we want to find ourselves pleasing unto God, doing his will, as he has instructed us. Everything we need is in this word. I hear the Lord saying, whosoever will, let him come. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest for your soul. Because we are weary when we are apart from God. We're always weary. We're always restless, even though we might not acknowledge it as such. But in our soul, and in our inner being, we are restless because we have no peace. But the Lord says his arms is outstretched to give us that peace. And he died a horrific death so that we can be partakers of that peace and of that rest. Amen. So I encourage you today, I hope that the word was uplifting to you and provided some understanding, you know, because in all our getting, we need to get understanding, you know, and trust that the Lord loves us with an everlasting love and that it's not his will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance, you know. So let us embrace the will of God and his plan for our lives. Amen? Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Come on, we can do better.